Welcome back to Something Positive for Positive People. This is the conclusion of the two-part episode, Believe Survivors, where in this episode, we talk about how Jeannie got justice served. The first episode was more about understanding abuse and the relationship that she had with her abuser and talking through a lot of that. If you're coming to this one first, I encourage you to please go back and listen to part one so that part two makes a little bit more sense for you. And please refer to any of the resources that we have linked in the show notes if you're someone Someone who may be experiencing abuse or you know someone who is, I want to make sure that we provide some useful resources for you guys. So um, thank you for tuning in to the part two, epi- <laughs> to part two of this two-part episode. And just please continue to support the podcast as best you can by rating, liking, subscribing to, and reviewing the podcast. It's just helping people really get this content when they need it. Here we go in the part two of the conclusion of Believe Survivors with Jeannie. So I get the order against him, and at that point, they look so small. And I end up going into a world where I realize these people who are dealing with the entertainment entertainment industry, like he is, these shallow conceptions that we have of people like, oh, they're so attractive. I want to be with them. Or even if you don't want to be with them, you want to impress them, has just become so insignificant to my world because of this diagnosis and my being able to get a protection order and I would have never been motivated to do that until this point when I got the order against him my lawyer and I looked at each other and I was just like she's a woman too I know everyone can go through this man or woman the beauty of that look in her face and everyone's face around me and just going home and feeling like you know, you feel like a kid again. This is how I interpret my diagnosis and also my being able to get the order against them because I had a fight for that. They can't hurt me anymore. They can't hurt me anymore. And I don't have to live in this world of shallowness because I know with this diagnosis and the stigma that comes from it, these shallow people don't mean anything anymore. As in, I just felt so free and I was walking home because I lived next to the court. which was so funny to me. Like, I feel alive again, you know, after such a long time of battling with I'm insignificant, I'm nothing, even though I have a master's degree, I have a good job, like, I have everything in the world, but somebody can tear your mentality down to no matter what you're going through, they always feel like they have some agency over you, and they can't do that to me anymore. The beauty of this diagnosis, I didn't know that, I'm a little bit special. Like, people won't always say this to me because when I've told people, I'm like, this is a blessing that I got this. And people start laughing at me. They're like, what is your problem? (laughs) But it was because, I mean, the way I've been able to connect with people at such a spiritual level after that, and it's only been like seven months, has been renewed. I've been able to go to my family members again, cousins, uncles, aunts, my grandmother. I didn't see my grandmother for like, I didn't even talk to her really like that for such a long time since being with him. I've been able to be strong enough to go to her. I'm able to feel all kinds of emotions again. During the time we were really together for those three years, I couldn't even cry. And during that time, even my brother passed away. And I was the only person at that funeral that didn't cry. 
because that's how weak I was. I couldn't experience a range of emotions because he had such agency over me. So now I feel like I'm back. And like even some of my family say that they're, and they don't even know what I've gone through. Like I've hidden a lot of things from a lot of people for obvious reasons. You know, I, I really could have gotten killed and nobody would know why or whatever. So I finally gotten to that point where I'm like, I'm free and I can finally talk to people and sexual intimacy is no longer based off of this power status quo because now I know it's all a lie you know just like I'm pretty sure the people in the R. Kelly documentary know as well you realize like R. Kelly's an asshole he's not gonna make your dreams come true this guy's an asshole he's not gonna do anything for me he played with me he stringed me along for so long and now I'm finally (laughs) free so it's just great yeah (laughs) how do we identify abusers sooner Are they people who just string you along and don't have a plan with you? Or as I'm listening to your story, the only consistency here is that there was no bigger picture. Oh, yeah. It's really hard because a lot of people have their family to tell them, like, this is wrong. I know it sounds extremely inconsistent, but I think a lot of that is because I just literally didn't tell anyone what was going on. So the moment you feel that you're isolated and the moment you feel like somebody shut you up and you can't say something to anybody is the moment you have to walk away because you should be able to talk to other people about what you're going through and for so many years I didn't feel like I could do that so that's how you identify an abuser they isolate you if anyone makes you feel isolated you need to get out of that fast because that's the thing he was making me feel guilty about stuff that it's like That doesn't even make sense. Why should I feel guilty for being with you? That doesn't make sense. And so because I had to hide from my friends that I was with him, because I lost friendships because I was with him, and that's where I should have said, this is enough. Like, you're sucking me into this world, you know? And it's like, once you feel like you're alone and that's the only person you can trust, that doesn't make sense. And that's where you need to cut it out. The moment you feel like that, you got to nip it in the butt. Because otherwise, your life sounds fragmented, like mine sounds right now. In the same breath, it's frightening to try to leave that situation. Because what are they going to do to you if you try to leave, right? But you have to. Because the thing is, this is what I learned at the police office. They told me, like, these guys operate under the radar. The moment you touch the light, they're not going to touch you anymore because they know that they're doing much bigger things that's going to get them locked up. Oh, um, so you coming forward about this, you weren't really threatened they, by it because this was so minor in the grand scheme of what this uh, guy what has going doing. on. And the thing is, especially in gang culture, police know what's going on, but they can't arrest people until they compiled a packet of what's actually going on and that costs a lot of resources so a lot of times the police aren't even gonna go through and do that even though they know this stuff is going on like when me and him went to court i had to go with the sheriff of the whole district he walked me in and when he walked me in like these guys like i don't know why people i don't want to say it but people in gang culture like a lot of people don't understand that this is the law like they can get arrested but they get away with so many things that they they've hypnotized themselves into believing like they're god a lot of people Mm -hmm. that 
that engage in certain criminal activities. So, I mean, I had to go in with a sheriff and then like even my lawyer was like, you know, there's a lot of police here today. And the fact that they put your case first, they know something and they know what you wrote in your like you have to write you have to describe everything in that order yeah. to get it approved so i had to put in everything they're like they knew something because why is there's so many police here today and even through the court process he had to go in back meetings and he met with my advocate the first time i guess he told her this is anonymous um but like anyway he told her something and it's like he from what she understood is like he feels like he's invincible like the court can't go after him and that's scary i mean you're in court and you still feel like you're invincible there's a lot of unsolved really horrendous crimes especially when people are in a criminal network they know things like that they they have this friend that did that or have even killed someone or have done this or it happens all around america it's not the secret. So when they've operated in this network for so long and under the radar, I don't know, some people start to really think that they're God. With our culture, like, we listen to a lot of music that perpetuates, oh, this is cool, this is popular. I was dealing with one of those guys, unfortunately, and that's how I got this. And that's probably why he thought he didn't have it either, because he just thinks he's invincible. And I had to tell him. After a while, I find out that he found out. I'm not going to say how, I guess, on this podcast, because it's a long story. But I have credible sources to know, like, he knows what he did. And so he's affected me for the rest of my life in many ways. But I think the best way is that I've escaped it. And I have seen what I've gotten as HSV2 as, I mean, obviously, I still fight with it a lot. There's still days where I'm just like, I just can't believe this, this shit happened. I, I can't believe I went through this. So you go through days of anger and stuff, too. But in the grand scheme of it all, I could have had an extreme bodily injury that led me into a coma, disabled in some really life-threatening way, or just died. And that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, I live a fully functioning and awesome life. And him and his friends, they got the karma of it. Because I think they finally realized, like, you know, whatever you guys did behind the scenes. And thank God I don't know about that. I don't want any involvement in that. Now you know you're not invincible anymore. And I didn't know that either. As in, I didn't realize how bad that they were until the court told me. So, yeah. So, I'm just... I'm relieved, and I hope that this also helps other people, too. I hope they realize, like, you really are allowed to go to the court. I thought for the longest time, they're a gang. They operate above the law. No, they're they're so below the law. And use the law for your benefit, because it's going to help a lot of other women. I think I might have saved a lot of women's life, because I think this guy thinks he's a terrorist and he can get away with it. God knows what he's done to other women. And he's not R. Kelly or, like anyone who's gonna have these huge documentaries about them but they're everywhere and there's a culture of yeah this is okay this is what we're gonna do and everyone loves us look at how popular we are or look we've gotten away from this for so long and and they think it's cool i think you know you gotta teach some people you gotta be that vessel to just teach some people i thought something was gonna happen to me but it happened to them instead so anyway it was just like a really positive outcome and then in the grander scheme of things so just really happy to be mm. able to have gone through that and so hopefully it helps other people too good so all you really needed to do was just 
present some sort of proof because what I've seen, though, historically or lately with the Me Too movement is that a lot of men are not being convicted. Survivors of domestic abuse or rape are not being believed. And this is an example of what you perceive to be justice being served. And in your case, you felt threatened and you didn't want to feel threatened anymore. So now whatever justice was served and them not being able to do anything to you, that was enough for you. Is that correct? Well, I think what you got to have is a storyline of events. And I think for a while I prepared because in my mind, I felt like, you know what? Too many things of abuse are happening for too long. I might really have to do this one day. Like I used to go online, like when on the height of the abuse and be like, what what can I do? Like, I can't handle this anymore. I, you shouldn't even feel like you can handle abuse. Like what, what kind of person? But you're so wrapped up in, in the abuse that you don't even realize like that's literally what's going on. Yeah, what you're going to do is you have to have something recorded, written down. Um, you know, social media helps a lot. So if they, they threaten you on the computer and then you compile a, a list of events of how things have happened throughout the years. And, you know, you write that down, but then you also have that those main statements that he's had from social media or whatever. Then that's what's really going to help your case. Yeah. It's actually not that hard to get a protective order you can just literally tell them what they've done maybe have some witnesses and then you can get it but that's also kind of the bad part about it as well because like you can be an abuser and i I really don't want to say this but like some abusers end up countering the protective order and saying like well i want to file one against her too and then they'll say whatever so that's the weakness of it but the great part is it most likely will get that person to stay away because they can get a felony they can get serious jail time if they violate that order so it i advocate for getting an order because you don't know the amount of legal resources you amazingly get for not every state in the u.s but like in a lot of states like you get a lot of legal resources, you get legal counseling, you get counselors that help you out. And you also feel empowered to like be able to tell your story. Like I wouldn't have been able to tell this before what I went through and before having the legal help because they counseled me a lot on what happened and how this usually goes for an abuser. And also when you're in court for getting a protective order, you end up going and hearing a lot of other stories from people who are getting a protective order as well. And you end up seeing like, oh my God, this is so common. And it's kind of like a place of release. Like you feel relieved, like, oh my gosh, like so many people go through this. But then you start thinking about it. It's like, this is sad. Why are so many people going through this? And it's just because we're not really confronting it as a society that this abuse happens. And I think that's also how stigma towards other things happen. And it's a crazy journey, but I'm really happy to have gone through it. And I really advocate for it. If anyone's going through that today, come forward, compile that. Even if you're not ready yet, compile all of those little things that person is saying even if you just record it down you know smartphones are great because you got that little record button so while an abuse is going on you can record it and that can be used and favored for you and nobody's going to know you're not going to be holding up your phone or whatever all you're going to do is hit that record button and literally everything that's happening is going to be recorded and that's all the judge needs plus your story so yeah. 
Do you think that there were other things in your testimony and your report that might have been what contributed to you getting protective custody? Because one thing that scares me is that, okay, this guy was in a gang. So he was doing illegal things. It's not like he had a corporate job that he went to every day where if he did have a corporate job. Oh, that's yeah. (laughs) And the crazy thing is, you know, you don't realize how common this stuff is. It's like he's in a gang, but like his friends who have worked for Congress before Congress work with these amazing people. There's that's a thing about this, like literally. It's everywhere, and their friends know about it, but you got a little way of twisting the story so it works out for you, and that's the thing. we got to push this narrative forward that things are wrong, but people have such a way of, like, making, I don't want to say toxic, toxic ma- masculinity because it's not always about that, but, like, these narratives of, like, oh, this person's just, like, being crazy right now. Ha, 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 she's, she's my ex-girl. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But, like, I'll go and tell your friend who used to be in Congress, working for a congresswoman in her office, and saying, like, this is what your friend did, and nothing will happen. You'll still be his friend. You're going to brush it out under the covers or whatever. You know, like, these people are everywhere. That's what I mean to say is, like, You can work in corporate. You can have an amazing job. He has a great job. He's got, like, a good income. He's doing well for himself. And he's connected to famous people in the entertainment industry. These people are everywhere. That's what I mean, is we've put up this thing where we see all of these people who, they look like they got it all together. Yeah, I'm working in corporate. I'm doing this, this, and that. Like, And you just think, oh, well, they're doing this, and so many people like them. But abusers are everywhere. So don't believe the facade. When you feel something's wrong, you got to just say it. If you're at a point of power, point of disempowerment, it doesn't matter where you're working or what you're doing with your life. Maybe you don't want to get a degree one day, or maybe you're just working at the local Best Buy or whatever. It doesn't matter who you are. When you see these parts of abuse, just record it down and go to the law office and or go to the police office and, and confront it mm-hmm. because you're, the vibes are there trust them you know trust yourself don't trust everything that you see like this person of power a lot of people abuse their power all the time so don't even believe them if the situation doesn't feel right you're allowed to speak your truth whoever you are and we need to start building a better narrative around that so yeah from what i'm saying survivors just aren't believed or it's just a case of the men who are involved in the situation. I guess it just depends on who they are and what else they have going on. I don't know what the case is, but I just don't see justice served for abusers at all. You gotta have evidence. Save it. That's what I mean. You gotta save it. Craziness about justice is like, you don't always get it served right then and there. I'm just talking to mostly the common man. I didn't think I had power or whatever. But after a while, you start really learning as a victim like this isn't gonna keep happening anymore i was very reasonable i was very respectful with everyone that was involved legally i was respectful even to the abuser as to the point as realizing this is an individual with his own rights and i think once you realize what their rights are and what they can do and you rise above that with your own evidence and stuff that's where the real power happens is you have to just think about it logically think about how the law is going to think about it 
how everyone involved is going to think about it. And then you just go for it. It was just my time to think on it. I can't tell you what happened to people who are millionaires or in politics because those people, like I lived in D.C. for a while, like, you know, you try to tell people what's going on and they're in Congress or whatever, but they're wrapped up in their own story. So you have to find powerless, powerful, whatever. You have to learn the way systems work and then you make those systems work for you. So it's just about that extreme, um, I'm trying to say this in English, sorry, I've been thinking in Swedish all day. You just have to find that empirical data of how do the police work in my area? How does the law work in my area? And when we, as people, become more knowledgeable about how they start working, that's when you can bring your case through. And I think that's why Donald Trump won the presidency, because he's, he's been looking at this, like, how do checks and balances work with the executive, uh, legislative, and judicial branch? Like, you've seen these kind of interviews since the 80s and stuff. So if you apply that those um, arguments that he's done and the way he's looked at what, how the government works, and their dynamics, and if you do do that with your local community police and the local politics and stuff, and you, you find out the way that they work, then you can find the evidence that you think is going to help you, and you bring it to the police station or whoever. You'll know after a while, like, because I've, I've been researching the local politics in my area as well. You bring it to them, you do it respectfully, you treat your abuser as like an individual and you just bring all of that evidence and you do it in a timely manner because you can't do it past 90 days after the incident happens. So if you have a particular incident that's really going to help you out, do you just go step by step in the legal process and you hope for the best? And unfortunately, it has to be that abstract, like... I wish it was that easy as, like, you're running to the police station, you're like, please, please help me. That's not what's going to happen all the time. Sometimes you don't get those forms of relief. Once, I think I had been going through a situation that was so abusive for so long, and having researched literally every potential thing that could happen that I ended up learning and lucking out at then. I, I wish it didn't feel like lucking out, but... I know it can be hard sometimes, and you're not always going to get the outcome that you want to have reached. That's all I can say as advice. You just got to learn the way things work mm -hmm. and then make it work for you, literally, in every sense of it. The abuse, the way your community works, make it all work for you. At any point after going to the police and beginning to start this whole process, was there ever a point where you wanted to go back and undo everything and just drop the case at all? Oh, yeah. Because he said, oh, well, you know, I'm a good guy. Like, he was, like, trying to make himself seem like, no, I'm going to win this case. There's nothing you can do to stop me. He thought he was a good person in this situation, which was so weird. And then also the legal team looking at me like, why does he think he can do that? Did you do something? And then me looking back at, like, did I enable this whole situation? Am I the person? And I, I felt like I was even going to get in legal trouble, which doesn't make sense the moment your abuser looks at you in court you're just like oh my god what did i do to like perpetuate the situation 
maybe you were like there and you saw things that weren't right or for example lisa van allen and the r kelly documentary she was doing stuff that's like why did you participate in that but you know overall she's it's this huge messed up context and you gotta see who that person is in the context no i did want to go back and i wanted to say just drop it but i couldn't let myself do it because at this point i was like that's the thing when you go in just Use the point of power of you went into the relationship with your abuser. Not everyone, but for my example, I thought I did it with love. I went in it with all love. Like, I thought, I was like, we're going to make this through, and I'm going to be there for you. And that's how I thought of that. So when I went into the court and I told them everything that happened, I said to myself, I'm going to go into court. And that's where you get your respect also is when you're all with your story, that's another point. Don't drop your case. Stick with it because they're going to do things to you or they're going to make you feel like you're regretting it. Don't even show that you regret it. Even if you're saying things or you feel like at a point somebody looked at you funny or whatever, don't fall for it. Because if you really have gone through this, it's really important. Even if you don't get the out you didn't want, the court system, they're constantly learning as well. You have a lot more agency than you think you do. So when you do go in, just go all in and literally just tell your story because it's important that more of this happens because the simple fact that you went in and you said, I'm going to do this, that's a big thing because there's so many cases of sex trafficking, abuse, and violence at home that just never get solved. And as a society, you just never end up solving those
I cannot thank you enough for sharing all of this, for talking about the abuse, for revisiting these dark moments of your life, and just watching you smile as you talked about the justice was served and he can't touch you anymore. Like, it gives me hope for the many people who are going to listen to this who may wonder now, like, damn, am I abusive to somebody? Or I know someone who's being abused, and you've given context for people to understand okay hey you're in a situation that you may want to watch out for these things for or you may want to exit a situation because you see it heading to this direction or you may know someone who might be on the other side of it. you're like man the way that she's talking about being treated is exactly the way my friend or so-and-so is treating their partner so yeah. it's really really helpful for us to have it's context <laughs> it, it is it's real i just can't thank you enough Thank you. And also, thank you. I'm just happy to be here and, like, be a vessel to anybody. Because I know how common this is. It's sickening. And we have to have healthier relationships for everyone. And that's literally, it will help everyone, even the person who is the abuser. Because they... They think that they're, wow. you know, it's, it's not Wait. helping them either. Wait, so what you just said is something that I've never once heard or considered or thought about. But you're looking at someone who's been abused or being abused who looks at it like, I don't want to hurt this person abusing me. But in reality, you coming you're forward, helping. you're helping them. You're helping yourself, yeah. of course, but then you're also helping them by coming forward. I never thought about it that way. I mean, because they're going to gain so much from that. Because like, these people, what they're doing, all right, maybe you feel like you're at a point of power because you're not telling on them. No, that's not always how it works. You know, what rains on one man's house is going to rain on another man's house. It's a huge cloud. And so they could easily be locked up for life for what they're doing. I have friends whose partners never came forward, and then they ended up doing something, and now they're in jail for 10 years. So... When you're confronting them now, you're stopping them in their path from becoming even a bigger monster. And they don't even see it. So when you do that, if you're a person that thinks that you love this person, it's, from my personal opinion, it's not really love. But if you really do feel like you love this person, if you love them, come forward because you're going to be helping them too. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times the person who is an abuser has been abused themselves and they didn't want to be the person who looked vulnerable and that's the point where it's like you gotta break it just realize we're all vulnerable people you're helping them yeah Okay. And now moving forward through that, you've been abused sexually, abused domestically. How's dating been for you? Are you able to move forward in relationships and identify healthy relationships? <laughs> I only ask you this because we already had the conversation of how yeah. like you got options on options on options. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so now it's like I've been able to go on dates. I'm not, I'm not afraid of men anymore. Um, I know how to talk to them, like just as, hey, look, we're just regular people. This doesn't mean anything. You can go sit there and tell me, oh, you're so beautiful. I'm going to have your children. And I'm going to say, that's so nice. But it's not going to like, I'm not going to fall for that, like that little sweet story anymore. You know, now it's just like, that's so cute. Now I'm going to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so mm -hmm. it's just, and I really think it's after what happened seven months ago. I just, I've learned my boundaries. It's, it's really, I just feel like I've grown up so much and I'm just so thankful all of this happened. Yeah. And, you know, now I've been healthy. My friendships are so healthy. My family life is so healthy with all of my family members. My dating life is healthy. Like now I've truly understood what abuse is and all those stages of abuse they're nowhere to be found in my life anymore. And oh, yeah. um, I, because I'm not inviting them. So mm -hmm. it's great. I'm still learning, though. And I think what has been painful for me is, like, just having to learn what those things are um, as abuse. Like, just really having to confront, like, oh, my God, this is abuse, too. But, like, those, that's a thought process. And once you go through that painful confrontation in your own mind, then it's going to manifest in your outer world and it's going to be good. Have those painful talks with yourself. This is abuse. This is not abuse. This is good. This is bad. Cause there's so many dimensions of that. And when you've had those painful talks, it's so easy to go about relationships and, and make those first steps to having them become healthy. So let's confront that. And I'm happy that I don't have, those same issues that I had. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Jeannie, yeah. thank you so much again for your time. I appreciate the wonderful thing that you said about me before we started recording and then how you tried to re-say <laughs> it when we started recording. All of that means so yeah. much to me. And I'm so grateful that we're able to sit and have this conversation because it's a conversation that needs to be had. It's a conversation that needs to be yes. witnessed. It's one that is conducive to... Uh, I hope that was the right word. It's the it's something that can help. I think it might be. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll figure it out. It sounded good, though. Yeah, right? It right. It's, it's all about confidence. Right. It's a new slang term. <laughs> it's all about confidence, though. Um, but, yeah. yeah, in conclusion, just if you're someone who's in an abusive relationship or know someone who is, just please be there for them and tap into your support system. If there's no one that you feel you can go to and talk about, um, there's resources online. I'll link to something there's in the resources. show notes. They're everywhere, yeah. I'll make sure to link to something that you can find online. You can search through discreetly because if you're listening to this podcast, you have internet. And if you have internet, that means... I'll be sure to put something in the notes for you. If this was something that may have been a little bit overwhelming or traumatic for you to experience or listen to, I will put something in the show notes for you as well for after listening to this podcast so that you can kind of recharge and just get away from this for a little bit in order to collect yourself. So I know how revisiting traumatic events can be harmful to you. So I want to make sure that this was something that was easy for you to listen to in two parts so that you can take a break from it and collect yourself. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People with Jeannie. I can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit 
credit at H on my chest. If you like this episode, please don't hesitate to let me know. It is best to do it in the review section of the podcast platform you're listening on because that helps other people find the podcast, which also helps me. Um, the more people who are able to find this, the more high profile guests we're able to get on here and the more credibility we have for when I approach medical facilities about having this as a resource for people who are in fact newly diagnosed. Till next time, stay positive. You want to say bye, Jeannie? Make sure that you research your local law offices and your police task force. I promise you they can be a point of power to you. There are resources out there. And God bless you all and love you so much. Peace. Peace. What is the most awkward conversation you've had about sex? Call one eight three three. 9275683 in order to answer this question this is for dating positives who's supporting the podcast and made me their spokesperson so i'm really excited to announce that i'm glad that you guys have been contributing to this podcast and allowing me to be here to just serve you and it's just drawing the attention of other people who also support people who are living with herpes and trying to destigmatize this thing and make our lives just a little bit easier even in the dating realm with being able to find other people that you don't have to worry about having the conversation about disclosure to, even if you're just making friends, if you're looking to date, if you're looking to hook up, whatever it is that you're looking for, um, I always encourage you just to be upfront about whatever your intentions are. So check out Dating Positives, and if you don't feel comfortable calling that call line, which is 833-YES-LOVE, shoot them a DM. They're just Dating Positives on social media, and they support this podcast. They support me. They made me their spokesperson. I've contributed a few blog posts on Waxo, which is just W. W-A-X-O-H. Please also go there and check it out. I just recently wrote an article about my experience of having sex after herpes and what that's been like and how I've been able to just really be open to a lot of new opportunities around that and exploring what sex is beyond just penis and vagina or penis and mild sex. So check that out. You can find it on waxo.com, W-A-X-O-H. And please don't forget to leave those voicemails, call in, and we may even be able to play your response on the podcast. So just let them know what it is that was the most awkward conversation that you had about sex by calling in that number, one eight three three yes love that's that's 833-927-5683